0: Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about words from Caesar's time, and my editor and I will save you from ruining your relationship by using the word penultimate wrong. But before we go on, I have a correction to make. The name of the town that looks like Berlin, Connecticut is actually pronounced Berlin. Mark and Ed both wrote in, apparently it's a quick way for locals to identify people from out of state—a shibboleth, if you will. Mark said that, quote, during World War II, the town council passed a law declaring the pronunciation of the town's name to have an emphasis on the first syllable to distinguish it from the then-enemy German city, unquote. So there you go. My apologies to the people of Berlin. Also last week, I speculated that World War II troops may have had cake in their rations, giving rise to the term cakehole for your mouth, but I couldn't find any evidence that they did. Well, Tom from Alaska wrote in, saying, quote, Military sea rations that I ate surplused as a Forest Service firefighter in the 70s often had pound cake in a can. We had fun seeing how far the cake, not the can, would bounce down the hill, unquote. So knowing it was pound cake helped me do more specific searches, and I found some more information. It looks like pound cake wasn't included in rations until 1958. So it couldn't have been the inspiration for our World War II word cake hole, but it does seem to have been popular among soldiers in Vietnam. One blog post says, quote, One canned pound cake was often equal in trade value to an entire MCI meal or several packs of cigarettes. Unquote. Thanks for the tip about the bouncy surplus pound cake, Tom. It's not uncommon to see people misuse the word penultimate to describe something as better than the best, even more ultimate than the ultimate. But it actually means the next to last. And my editor, Adam Cecil, told me a hilarious story about one of his friends who misused the word and caused quite a problem. So I thought it'd be fun to to have him here to share that story with you today. Hey, Adam. Hey. Yeah. Very happy to save save some people some trouble here. Um, Essentially what happened is, uh, one of my friends misused the word and told his girlfriend at the time that she was his penultimate friend. Um, his only defense was that, uh, he truly just did not know what the word meant and thought it meant ultra ultimate, but it caused quite a bit of a tiff. And, uh, you know, they did eventually break up. I wouldn't say it was because of this, but it didn't help. It definitely didn't help. So I hope we can keep other people from making the same mistake. I'll start with telling you about where the word comes from. Penultimate comes from a Latin word that means almost ultimate. So the next-to-last book in a series, the next-to-last day of a vacation, the next-to-last the month of the year, and the next-to-last game in a player's career are all penultimate items or events. Penultimate is not the best of the bunch or the last of something. It's the second best of the bunch or the second to the last of something. Squiggly won the penultimate prize in the raffle. That would be the second-to-last prize in the raffle. Ardvark's team is preparing for the penultimate game of the season. That would be the team's second-to-last game of the season. Penultimate was actually a noun before it became an adjective— According to Etymonline, Online, penultimate referred to the next-to-the-last syllable of a word or verse. For example, I found an old dictionary from the 1800s that instructed people to accent the penultimate when explaining how to pronounce Greek and Latin proper names. The Latin prefix pen, shortened here to pen, means almost or nearly— it's it's not very common anymore. Most words that use it now are obscure or rare. For example, panaseismic means regions where earthquakes occur only rarely or only of small magnitude, so it means something like nearly seismic. But one word still in common use is peninsula, which means almost island. A peninsula is a piece of land that is almost surrounded by water. Another word from the same root that you might have heard, especially if you've watched an eclipse, is penumbra. Umbra means shade or shadow, so a penumbra is almost a shadow or a partly shaded area. During a total solar eclipse, the total eclipse is only visible from certain parts of Earth that are properly aligned to see it. Those people are covered by the umbra, the shadow. But people outside that region still see a partial eclipse, and they're said to be covered by the penumbra, the partial shadow. And if you're listening to this show right when it comes out, there's a lunar eclipse tomorrow night, November 18th, overnight until the 19th. It'll be visible in North America, Alaska, eastern Australia, New Zealand, and Japan. So get out there and and watch it if you're awake. But the next time you want to describe something that's the best, simply call it the best or the ultimate, the ultimate prize in the raffle, not the penultimate prize. And never, ever call your girlfriend your penultimate friend. Ah, Latin, the language of ancient Rome and of gladiators, emperors, conquerors, and poets— Latin is a dead language today. It's spoken nowhere in the world as a primary language, yet it remains evocative. Phrases that were coined in Latin centuries ago still have meaning for us even now in the 21st century. Today, we're going to talk about three of the most famous Latin words in history—veni vidi vici, meaning I came, I saw, I conquered— You probably know that these words were spoken by Julius Caesar, the general and statesman who ruled the ancient Republic of Rome. Here are a few things you might not know about this phrase and about Caesar. Caesar made his Veni Vidi Vici proclamation after winning in the three-sided civil war that rocked the Roman Empire in the first century B.C. After defeating King Pharnaces of Pontus in the city of Zella in 47 BC, he sent a letter back to his friend Aminius in Rome. He wrote, I came, I saw, I conquered. Now, this wasn't just a boast. His victory was super fast. Caesar and his armies defeated Pharnaces within five days of their arrival at Zella and after only four hours of fighting. When Caesar returned triumphantly to Rome, he held a victory parade. Veni vidi vici was inscribed on a large placard called a titulus that was carried at the head of the parade. That Latin word is the origin of our English word's title, tilde, the little squiggle you see over the letter N in Spanish, and tittle, the name of the dot over the lowercase letters I and J. The Roman Civil War had been brought about by political infighting—too complicated to explain here—but the first official stroke in the war was taken by Caesar when he marched his troops out of their province in Gaul—the region we call France today—across a small river and into Italy. And the river was called the Rubicon. In crossing the Rubicon, Caesar broke the law because generals weren't allowed to move their armies out of the province to which they were assigned— Caesar's action was decisive. It was an unmistakable act of war. And ever since, the phrase crossing the Rubicon has meant any step someone takes that commits them irrevocably to a new course of action. Another interesting fact is that the Julius in Julius Caesar wasn't the general's first name. In other words, it wasn't a name his parents picked out because they liked it. Rather, it referred to his clan, Clan Julius. A clan, known as a Gen Z in Roman times, was a group of families bound together by their belief in a common origin and their use of common religious rites. Gen Z, by the way, comes from an ancient Greek word meaning to be born. Caesar's actual first name, his praenomen in Latin, was Gaius. Gaius comes from the Latin verb gaudera, meaning to rejoice. It's the origin of the English word enjoy and possibly jolly caesar's great-nephew and his successor was also named gaius gaius octavius octavius eventually became the first roman emperor he took on the name augustus signaling his attainment of supreme power across the roman world in recognition of the great deeds performed by caesar and augustus two months in the ancient roman calendar were renamed the fifth month quintilis became julius what we now call july and the sixth month, Sextilis became Augustus, or today's August. Caesar also reformed the old and inaccurate Roman calendar, which was three months ahead of the solar calendar. His new system, which divided the year into the twelve months we know today, was called, you guessed it, the Julian calendar. It was used well into the 1500s when it was usurped by the Gregorian calendar we use today. Now, we've already talked about Caesar's name, but here's one more fact— Although the name Caesar started out as the general's proper name, or cognomen as it was known then, it quickly took on a broader meaning. It became less of a name and more of a title. It was taken on by Octavius, who became Caesar Augustus, and by emperors all the way through the 14th century AD. That's when Constantinople, the tiniest remnant of what was once the mighty Roman Empire, fell to the Ottomans. In fact, Caesar is believed to be the earliest Latin word adopted into Germanic, the core root language of English, German, Dutch, and many modern languages. Caesar morphed into the German Kaiser, the Russian Tsar, the Old Saxon Caesar, and the Old Norse Caesari. Even today, when people speak of reaching out to the highest authority, they sometimes facetiously say they're appealing unto Caesar. Thus does this one man's name and the many words associated with his life still touch us today. That segment was written by Samantha Enslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as dragonflyedit. Finally, I have a familect story from Thomas. Hey, Grammar Girl, this is Thomas from Austin, Texas, and I just discovered your podcast today, I must say, I'm loving it. I'm calling in because my grandmother was a wordsmith, and she was always giving us all sorts of type of uh, vocab words and puzzles, and she was just one of the smartest ladies I've ever known. And we used to use this word around the house, and it's smidge. You know, We used to measure, measure things. Well, let's just move it a smidge. I'd like to know what your thoughts are about this word, and if you can offer some insights to your listeners. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thomas. My family used smidge, too. It is actually short for smidgen, which my family also used. We kind of use them interchangeably, I'd say. A smidge might have been less than a smidgen, maybe. The um, Oxford English Dictionary says the origin is unknown, but it might come from smidge, which they say was originally Scottish. Both words go back to the 1800s. I wouldn't call this a familect, but it does give me a chance to talk about a similar word that came from World War II, which ties in with last week's show. Skosh, which also means a small amount. You could use it just like smidge. Let's move that to smidge. Let's move that to skosh. Um, According to Merriam-Webster, it comes from the Japanese word skoshi. They say, quote, The Japanese word was shortened by U.S. servicemen stationed in Japan after World War II— and later in the Korean War, a small soldier was often nicknamed Scosh. So thanks for sharing your grandmother's word. She sounds like a great lady. If you want a call with the story of your family act, a word your family and only your family uses, you can leave a voicemail at eight three three two one four girl, and I might play it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find articles that go with each podcast segment at my website, quickanddirtytips.com. dot com. Thanks to my audio engineer, Nathan Sams, and my editor, Adam Cecil, who you heard today. Our operations and editorial manager is Michelle Margulis, and our assistant manager is Emily Miller. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. And that's all. Thanks for listening.